0: Neal Before Blog presents. Neal Before Pod.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of Kneel Before Pod. I'm your host Craig McKenzie and for this episode we're trying something new by not talking about Star Trek. Instead, we're doing a podcast about the recent DC film Suicide Squad. A Suicide Squad Cast, if you will. To do this, I scoured the globe for the worst criminals and villains I could find to help with this thankless task. And they were all busy. But thankfully, Cat was willing to put her dignity on the line to discuss this film. Hi, Cat. Thanks for coming on.
0: Hey, good to be here.
1: Since it's your first time on this podcast, how about you say a little bit about yourself and what you do, so you can plug your your own work.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, my name's Cat. I do. Um, I have a YouTube channel in place of a blog. Uh, it's called Sin TV. And I do kind of vloggy type reviews where um, like I'll see a movie and then I'll talk about it. Um, and I plan to have uh, a lot of other content on there as well, like um, kind of chats with other people and uh, retrospectives and actors or directors or like uh, like a genre or I want to do a special on on um, composers and film soundtracks and things like that. So so quite quite a bit of of geekery uh, on film. So if if your, your uh, listeners are into that kind of stuff, uh, hit me up on YouTube.
1: Cool. I'll be sure to leave your stuff in the um, the show notes and people can find you from there. Thank you. So we're here to talk about Suicide Squad and you are you have just seen it, haven't you?
0: Yes. I, I literally just came out of the cinema like a couple of hours ago, uh, came home, made dinner and tried to process this. <laughs> um, <laughs> cause, um, it's, it's something, I'll, I'll, I'll say that it's something. Um, I don't, I don't know, you know, we should probably like leave the spoilers for later. Um, uh, yes. but yeah, like overall thoughts, what was that even?
1: <laughs> that was essentially my reaction as well. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't particularly fond of it mm. and my memory of it has faded over the past week since I saw it. Uh, so it's fairly forgettable, which may be the best thing that anybody could say about it.
0: Absolutely. I mean, frankly, like, you know, I saw it two hours ago and I'm kind of not sure, <laughs> like, what most of it was about. Um, And the thing is that, like, like I was quite interested in the premise because I didn't know any of the characters uh before, Uh not really. Mm. So it was like, you know, okay, I can... You know, like I'm, I'm interested to find out more about them, uh, but I don't feel like I know any of them any better now. Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not sure that you know, like, well, what are their powers? What is their backstory? What are they about? I don't know any of that. <laughs> like, yeah,
1: yeah, uh, a few of them turn up in uh, the DC TV universe. You get Captain Boomerang and um Deadshot on Arrow and Flash, mm. and a. Uh, I think that's about it from that team actually but they're not allowed to use the suicide squad apparently because the films are going to use them
2: oh yeah
1: so yeah. well then. nice job there guys
2: mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's i mean and that's that's something i guess that we can talk about later um or i mean maybe we can talk about it now i don't know um what are structures um <laughs> but the the the, the whole Extended universe thing and how they're not doing it very well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, and like every one of their attempts to launch one is just, just not successful. Like it hasn't been successful now or with the whole TV thing. And like, just, just what are you doing, guys? What, what is that? What? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, we can we can touch upon that later because I've got I've got a few thoughts on the matter. Yeah, but, and some of
1: it will be spoilery as well.
0: Mm, exactly. But yeah, I mean, I guess overall thoughts about the film, because um, the the press has been really bad throughout, Um, you know, like, initially, reactions have been bad. Uh There's been a whole like, basically clash on the internet between critics and fans and you know that brings to to question like the matter of who's a critic who's a fan like the entitlement and having like an opinion that you know like if other people don't share your opinion like w- what does that mean for the overall like state of the industry and just like Like, yeah, like the internet has been aflame with that. And so I was like, okay, it's probably not going to be great. So I went in there, you know, kind of reserved. But I was kind of expecting another Fantastic Four in Mm. that, like, Fantastic Four was okay for the first two thirds. It it actually was pretty good. And then the last half hour was a hot mess that just, like, melted the rest of it, you know? And, like, just, like, there wasn't anything to – to, to pull you back from that mess. Um, but for Suicide Squad, I felt that the whole thing was equally messy. <laughs> like, there wasn't a particular moment that I felt, oh, okay, you know, like, they're not pelting us with exposition right now. No, because they were. They're pelting exposition at you, <laughs> like, from minute one, like Amanda Waller, like, apparently, apparently, uh, David Ayer had to fight tooth and nail to keep the beginning in as it was. And as I'm yeah, watching I really this, yeah, and as I'm watching this, I'm like, this is what he fought so hard to keep. <laughs> yeah. This is what the studio wouldn't let him have. Like, okay. I <laughs> th- sure. And so, like, I think from that moment on, about like 10, 15 minutes in, I'm like, right. Okay. I think this sets the scene and the mood and the tone and the pace. So I'm, um, yeah. And so I watched the rest of it kind of, you know, frowning at it a lot. It's interesting
1: Um, you brought up Fantastic Four. I mean, I didn't like that film at all. But the the fascinating thing about that is I think it fails as an adaptation. I don't think they got any of it right, really. Whereas, at least on an aesthetic level, Suicide Squad does pretty well. You know, when Will Smith wears that mask once, he looks like Deadshot. When uh, Harley Quinn looks like Harley Quinn, Captain Boomerang looks like Captain Boomerang and so on. But the aesthetics are about the only thing they got right. At least in terms of how the characters are supposed to look. Mm. And I suppose in terms of how they're supposed to act in some ways, but...
0: I absolutely agree. Like, it felt like it was this pastiche of, like, oh, here's the general atmosphere. Here's the general, like, impression of what the Joker is. Let's, like, throw him in there. And he doesn't really do or say anything in particular, but, you know, he's kind of Joker-ish. Hmm. And the same kind of goes for everybody. It's like, oh, Harley Quinn is just kind of Harley Quinn ish, like, but but like nothing that happens kind of amounts to anything, if you know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah. Yeah, and I think on that note, we should just ring the spoiler bell and then get on to talking about the the characters, and so let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, so characters. I suppose the first one would be Will Smith. I mean, Deadshot. Mm-hmm. Although I mean Will Smith. Um, <laughs> Truth! <laughs> um, there was a guy called Deadshot in the film, but he was Will Smith. I Absolutely.
0: Thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, the whole painting. I'm not. This. You might have to illuminate me here because I'm not very sure about the particulars of the character. Um, but is he a father and it, does that play a big role for his character in the comics at all
1: he has well he, it depends who's writing him it depends what decades he's being written and so on but mm. i think more recent versions have had the kind of daughter angle mm. it's certainly an arrow he had a child and um, oh right that he was sort of making as much money as he could for and there was an interesting arc about that where he identified that it was better for him to stay out of his daughter's life but he gives her money and that's what he can bring to her existence Right. Uh, whereas this guy is content to be in her life, even though he's on the run most of the time and being mm. hunted by everyone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I thought that this is something that uh, Will Smith's character has, um, rather, this is something that Will Smith has had in a lot of his movies recently, mm-hmm. because I guess he's growing out of the young, hot leading guy age and he's crossing into, like, dad territory, <laughs> like, he still gets to play cool guys that also have children. Yeah. Um, And it just kind of felt like that was kind of, like, put in there on purpose because, you know, Will Smith is a dad now, uh, yeah. but he can be a hot dad, and we should be reminded of that sort of thing. Um, Yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I thought he was fine, but Will Smith is always kind of good. He's always, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know what you're getting with him, and he had a lot of charisma, and I think that he it was maybe, probably
0: the best thing about this
1: movie. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I would say he dominated it a bit too much, though, which made mm. it less of an ensemble piece and more of a Will Smith Harley Quinn and the Suicide Squad, yes, thing, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, that's kind of the order that it goes. Yeah, I think if they'd got a less famous actor to play the role, then maybe they would. I don't know whether Will Smith demanded more time be taken up by his Ooh, character, perhaps. or whether it was just a symptom of him being in it. You know, they'd hired mm-hmm. him, they'd paid for him, so we better rewrite the script and throw him in it as much as possible.
0: I mean, both, both angles are entirely plausible. So yeah. Yeah. Definitely.
1: Um, but I think if it wasn't him, he could have faded into the background a bit more and, and it would have been more of a team piece rather than this.
0: Will yeah. Kind of let, yeah, let the others shine a little bit. Cause I mean, like, I didn't really get much of, um, Captain Boomerang at all. If, if, like, just like glimpses of, you know, he had a couple of lines, I guess. Yeah. Or, like, Killer, Cro- Killer Croc, like, I don't know what he's about at all. No. Like, I still don't get it. <laughs> he's still just kind of there and covered in scales and occasionally grunting. Like, yeah. that's, that's kind of it. And I'm, you know, like, I was, I was, like just trying to figure him out and then the movie was over and i was like oh, okay i <laughs> guess that's that then he's going back to the sewers yeah. when- sure <laughs> just like i don't i don't even know um and harley quinn's character as well like she she was very much a caricature um of like, I don't know, I've, I've read a lot of criticism about Harley Quinn's character, about it being a sexist take on the character, which I very much agree with, because uh, instead of making her in any way empowering, she is literally a bimbo that solely exists for the purpose of being with the Joker yeah. and doing everything for the Joker and just being obsessed with him. And that is her purpose in life. And that is masqueraded as being in love, which is not real, accurate or empowering on any level. And so, like, I I think that that's such a shame because Harley Quinn's character has in the comics been quite an empowering figure. But to reduce her to this, I don't know
1: though it is a little bit consistent with her early appearances uh, especially Mm. in the animated series where she was very subservient to the Joker you know Mm. uh, he would abuse her and she would take it and it was pretty dark for a 90s kids cartoon actually Mm. Um, so it's eventually she has to get away from that and I suppose the film was supposed to be about her getting away from that but she never did
0: yeah exactly like if if it it had been about that and if she had because she and uh, Deadshot, like, they kind of had a few moments mm. where I thought, ooh, is this perhaps, cause they had the, they had a whole conversation about being in love and Deadshot said that he never has. And she was like, you know, kind of dismissive of that fact or kind of telling him, you know, oh, you know, haha, maybe one day you will. And then kind of later on, they have a couple of moments of like genuine connection. And I thought, oh, is this, is this where that's going? Cause I wouldn't mind that, you know, like (laughs) if, if they kind of found each other through a more kind of genuine connection rather than what she has going with the Joker, then both of them could learn something from that and change and evolve. But then kind of neither of them does. And it's like, Oh, I guess that was kind of a carrot dangled in front of us that never really manifested into anything. Um,
1: yeah. yeah, and you never get... I never got the sense of why she fell for the Joker. You know, you, you're you told that, mm-hmm. she, that she was his therapist and uh, and it was him that was doing a number on her instead. And mm-hmm. you're told that, but you don't see that happen. Yeah. And then it's just by the time you get there, it's already happened.
0: Yeah. I actually had a problem with that whole, like, introduction sequence because we, we get... I, I didn't time it, but you know, probably around 10, 15 minutes of here's this character. Here's where they come from. Here's their motivation. Here is their crimes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but we don't really, well, we don't really see much of it. We don't really get to understand any of it. And they're just kind of, they just kind of serve to, to what? Like it's, it's just like it's not a good enough, introduction it's not a good enough kind of like these could have been separate movies yeah except they were crammed in the space of a 15 minute like exposition like meltdown where there was just so much information that we got none of it
1: yeah well you're if you look at it from a universe perspective you know Mm -hmm. if it existed in this world where dc had started this when marvel started it say and yeah. you were at the point where all these villains had been introduced in solo films or, well, not solo films for them, but other heroes films. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, you know, you get Captain Boomerang as a villain in a Flash film and then mm. suddenly he turns up again in Suicide Squad. If
2: mm. they've done
1: the groundwork and you know who these characters are, then fair enough. But at uh, this point yeah. it was, here's, we need to sum these up in two minutes so that we can yeah. get on with our story mm-hmm. here. And it just doesn't hang together.
0: Precisely. It kind of felt as well um with... With that intro kind of sequence and just generally with the retro soundtrack. Yeah. It just felt like, um, here's Guardians of the Galaxy, but darker. Yeah. Um, except none of it works the way Guardians of the Galaxy works. So it's, it's just like a lesser version of what Marvel did and worked. Like they they just like the, that's what gets me with DC. Like they just try so hard to do what Marvel has already done and better. And then they just don't get it. They just don't get it. And they don't do things in the sequence that would have made sense for audiences to stick around. And so, like, I, I just I just don't know what they're trying to do.
1: Yeah, they're a victim of their own patience in a lot of ways. If mm. I think there was probably an element of, let's see how Marvel get on with this, and then we've got a bunch of heroes that we can also cross over. Brilliant. And then um, th- you get to that point where Marvel have got this fully established universe, and they're like, oh, no, we need to do this now. Yeah. Um, So you get Man of Steel (laughs) exactly, and and people watch Man Mm -hmm. of Steel and it's got divisive reactions and so on. And then the next film, you've got Batman in a Superman film, which, well, you've got Superman in a Batman film, to be honest. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But even then, you know, okay, let's introduce another character in the sequel to this other film. That's fine. Um, But then you're getting to this point where, oh, no, we need to do this bulk upload of villains that we can all use again later on and... Then they're going to do the team up film, and then they're going to go back and do the solo films. It's it's a bit messy.
0: It is. It is very messy. I, I don't think that this reverse reverse approach works um, at all. Actually, um, no. But yeah, I guess I guess we'll talk about that in in a little bit. I wanted to talk about. Um, Cara Delavine's character, or rather, I mean, <laughs> which one? Because uh-huh. um, because she well, only- She didn't like, have any, really. <laughs> exactly. Like, she gets to be June Moon for, like, maybe five seconds, and then she's she's the enchantress for the rest of it. But even that, like, even she has, like, kind of multiple versions and, like- none of it really clicks or connects. I mean, you know, like, don't get me wrong. I actually like Karen DeLervaigne and I think she has a lot of acting potential. I think she can do really great work if she's given the chance and this was not a chance at all. They just kind of, like, put her in a revealing costume which, you know, worked very well but, like, what what did that accomplish for for the character? You know, like, I would have loved to see more between her and Joel Kinneman's character uh, Rick. Was it Rick Flag?
1: Rick Flag, yeah.
0: What a name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So Rick Flag with the flag hat. Um, and June Moon again. What a name. <laughs> like Every- they, yeah.
1: He was a originally supposed to be played by Tom Hardy, but he left for unspecified reasons.
0: Oh, see, I think that Kinnaman. Well, unspecified reasons probably being The Revenant because they were shooting around the same time. I think
1: or Will um, Smith. I don't
0: know. Ooh. Yeah ooh, drama, I've not heard about this. <laughs>
1: but uh, there was a rumour, I can't remember where I read it, but there was a rumour at the time that Will Smith's ego was annoying him, or the fact that they were at least changing the film a bit mm-hmm. to suit Will Smith. Annoyed oh. him so much that he thought, I can do better than this, and then left.
0: Well, in, in all fairness, he probably can. In all fairness, like it probably would have hurt his career to be part of this. So it's better that he isn't, just like let him run off... And you know, make make fancy movies, and you know, like he, because he's a very good actor. Not that not that the people in Suicide Squad are not, but like yeah. he has already proven that he can he can do a lot more versatile things than just being a superhero movie. And I think it's it's a good thing that he's trying to do that now. Joel Kinnaman, I think, carried that character really well, and I. I loved him I he was probably my favorite him and Diablo I think I connected with the most hmm. um, like because he he had like that genuine like emotional like heartfelt kind of feeling despite the fact that he was a soldier like he you could tell that he cared a lot about this girl and that their connection is very strong you could only really see it from his point of view because she is gone for most of the time. And when she is, and she's just kind of like clinging to him and that's all we really get of their relationship. Like, which I don't really think is enough. I don't really think that it's convincing, like on both their parts that, you know, they are the love of each other's lives. Like I get it for him, but for her, I don't really know.
2: Mm.
0: Cause we, you know, she doesn't really get a chance to, to show any of that. Um, we're just kind of told what happens, and we're we're meant to kind of yeah. accept that. And that's that's something that always bugs me with exposition. I don't like it when um, a movie just kind of tells you something, and that's supposed to be it. Like I need to see it; otherwise, yeah. I don't believe any of it. And that that goes for for books as well. Like you mm. can't you can't just have like a line thrown away, like oh yeah, this uh, this is the the power, and that's what he does. And it's like that's if you don't show me it, he doesn't have it, you know, yeah. like that, that sort of thing. And this movie has a lot of that.
1: See, I found Kinnaman to be one of the blandest of a of a bland bunch. Uh, I just, I mean, I never connected with him in Robocop either, but I thought that was terrible. Oh, I, I never saw that. Yeah, don't.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I think
1: he was part of the problem as well, though. There's something, I don't know, there, there's something about him that where he, I, I don't feel like he connects to what he's trying to do very well. And to be fair, he had very little to do in this film, but yet, there was supposed to be this back and forth between him and Deadshot that was supposed to be kind of friendly banter, but...
0: Oh, is that it, what that was supposed yeah, to be? Yeah, <laughs> it never
1: felt like it. I think um, Will Smith was carrying his end of it, but there was yeah. a lack of chemistry there or just a lack of engagement from, from Kinnaman.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Is that what that was supposed to be? Because yeah, they were just <laughs> jabbing at
1: each other all the time. Or they were supposed never- to never...
0: Yeah, like, it never really feels like their their relationship changes much from that, like, antagonistic, you know, I I own you, therefore you do as I say. And then, like, Will Smith, like, begrudgingly going along with that. Yeah. I don't think that changes much, probably until, like, the very end when there's, like, this weird man hug between them. And, like, Kinnaman is like, yay, we've, we've <laughs> beat the, the evil thing. And it's like... Okay, yeah, like no touchy. I'm, I'm, you know, no homo. What are you doing? I don't <laughs> like hugs. Um, and like that was that was very out of the blue because if yeah. that was supposed to be like a gradual evolution, I didn't get that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I and didn't get that at all. And has, uh, as you said, his relationship with June didn't come across at all, other than mm-hmm. in dialogue. Um, and yeah. th- they missed a lot of beats with that. I mean, the whole, I guess, the whole idea would have been. Um, in a better film, maybe he would have been the one that talked her down or distracted her a little bit Yeah. uh, before, um, I don't know, blowing her up or, Mm -hmm. or, you know, he's the one to deliver the killing blow or something like that, but it doesn't, that doesn't happen. He just speaks to her and then something else happens Yeah. because Will Smith needs to do something.
0: Will Smith and Harley Quinn. Yeah, Yeah, that's it. Like it's, it's their show. Yeah. Like, where, where this could have been a very... I absolutely agree. Like, if if this had been, like, a more personal moment between, like, Rick Flagg and, and June, or, well, the Enchantress, like, if there had been, like, a personal edge to that final conflict, it could have worked a lot better. But instead, like, you know, Harley Quinn has to j- jump in and be the center of the show because she wears short shorts and therefore... <laughs> That's that's a thing.
1: Plus, fan favorite character as well. Yeah, that, that's part of it, definitely. Mm. Uh, there was, and there were some concerning character moments towards the end. Anyway, the the whole idea of uh, I keep wanting to say Will Smith instead of Deadshot because <laughs> yeah,
0: <sorry. laughs> but, because he's Will Smith. <laughs> yeah,
1: but there was that moment where he was uh, trying to shoot the bomb or whatever it was, and mm. he got confronted with the image of his daughter, and he overcomes the the illusion and shoots it anyway. I think as a character beat, it would have been much better if that was the first time he ever missed because mm. he was distracted, you know, but, but they missed that too.
0: Yeah. So many yeah. character oh, man. moments that yeah. would have had. Like, absolutely. Yeah. I could I could definitely say that. Like, ah, what a missed chance. Because
1: they established throughout, they said so many times, I hear you never miss. I never miss. Mm-hmm. You know, Whenever I wear this mask, someone dies. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a good job he never wears it then, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But, um, then yeah, there was all sorts of that going on. Uh, yeah, the whole idea of Killer Croc, I guess that could have built us self-sacrifice because mm. he's been an outcast for his whole life and could have died a hero. In inverted commas,
0: yeah, yeah except except he just doesn't he doesn't really do much. He just kind of like grunts sometimes, swims in the sewer. Yeah. Um you know, but there is there is a touching moment of of self-confidence, which you know is really nice cuz at some point Harley Quinn calls him ugly and he goes no I am beautiful and I'm like yeah. <laughs> you go killer croc you tell her
1: yeah i mean there was too many characters here anyway there was there was too many to give all of them something decent to do yeah yeah, but I
0: mean, but the, the, that just ends up with none of them yeah. having anything decent to do. Uh, can I just like, <laughs> like briefly touch upon the Japanese lady
1: oh, with, like, the, yeah. with
0: the katana? Yeah, with the katana sword. <laughs> so aptly named katana, um, who just like talks in Japanese and expects people to understand her and like wearing a Japanese flag mask. Yeah. And also like just like what? Like, <sighs> How is nobody like having a fit over how racist that is? Because <laughs> Jesus, like, this is 2016, and to have a caricature of this magnitude, like, waltzing around going just like spouting Japanese phrases, and then like, yeah, this is this is this mystical sword that steals people's souls and like locks them away, and it's like nobody's even going it what now? Um They just go, oh shit. <laughs> oh wow really like oh wow (laughs) it's like like excuse me um even even in a world where there's like enchantresses and you know bat people and supermen um there's a sword that that locks people's souls away and like that's that's fine for you guys like none of you are gonna question this what's going on
1: when she turned up i was i mean i think my background with the comics means that i just accept these people when they turn up Mm. Uh, so it was fine. When she turned up, I was like, oh, cool. She has her sword and she talks to her dead husband. That's mm. that's consistent with who she is. Yeah. Uh, but the problem was Rick Flagg had spent a few scenes talking about how crazy this was all to him. And then it's like, oh, by the way, this is my bodyguard. I've known her forever. Uh, she has a sword that she talks to and it has the soul of her dead husband. It's, this, <laughs> wasn't this freaking you out five minutes ago? You know,
0: Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly my point. Like, you know, if if it had been consistent in that respect, like if he would have just, like, lost his shit, like, throughout because of this, then fine. Or if he was just, like, nonchalant and, like, blasé about it, that would have also worked. But you can't have both things. It just doesn't work in terms of, like, the universe that you're trying to build where all of these things kind of coexist. They either do or they don't. Like, you can't.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and that point was a bit strange anyway because they introduced Slipknot and Katana mm. in, within a couple of minutes, but I thought they were done introducing characters by that point.
0: Yeah, she is had, Slipknot the guy who, like, comes in kind of towards the end and then promptly dies?
1: Yeah, dies after about two lines and they right, establish yeah. that he can climb anything and then he fires a grappling hook. It's like, well, I could climb anything if I had a grappling hook.
2: <laughs> so. um.
0: Oh, okay. See, because I was kind of lost there. I was like, who is this guy and why is he here now? He's probably going (laughs) to die because they haven't told us who he is. And then he dies. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like they haven't allowed us to care about him at all because he's expendable.
1: Yeah. And they Um, had to establish the stakes as well. You know, we've, we've put this explosive in every one of you. Here's what happens if you step out of line. Yeah.
0: They just needed somebody to do that too. So that, you know, and I'm like, I'm,
1: i i I know why that needed to happen, yeah, um, yeah, they set him up to kill him, and then he came in mm. and said three things, and then was killed,
0: yeah, seconds yeah. later i like i'm I'm guilty of doing this in my writing in that like I've created a character solely for the purpose of I need you to die so that my main character doesn't die, but somebody <laughs> needs to die in this chapter for X reason.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and so like I could see right through that straight away. Like when he comes on and I I didn't actually hear his name. So I was like, who's this guy? He's a, a dude, okay. Um he's probably gonna die. And then like two minutes later he does and I'm like, uh-huh. And that's <laughs> the one time in this movie that we get like showing instead of telling because the rest of the time we're just told things yeah. and expected expected to just like accept them as fact, um, so that's that's not yeah, <laughs> not not very good, not very well balanced anyway.
1: No, and he did. He was supposed to team up with Boomerang for some reason, so there was the kind of hint that they had a pre-established friendship or.
0: Oh, is that what that was?
1: Um, I think so, but as soon as. Because Boomerang said, we, we need to do our own thing. And then the next thing you know, Slipknot's climbing a wall and yeah. and he's dead. Yeah. And then never mentioned again.
0: Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that's partnerships for you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Who else Who else in this movie? i trying to think of, Ed, have we missed any characters? Oh, yeah. I mean, what about Amanda Waller? Uh, th- what do you think of her?
1: I thought she was better than she needed to be. Mm. Uh, she was very, very good, I thought. Um, she was interestingly, what's the word, duplicitous in the sense that she needed mm-hmm. to control over everything. Uh, I really liked that when uh, with Rick Flagg, for instance, she had to make sure he was uh, smitten with this woman, well, with June, rather than just be a soldier that follows orders. Like that wasn't enough for her. Yeah. So that was um, that was really interesting. I thought.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, like, cause she had her own agenda. Yeah. Which, which was obviously like clashing with her superiors. So, mm-hmm. like, this entire, the, the entire premise actually of putting together a task force made up of villains, um, is dumb. And, you know, like, I was expecting this film to kind of make it make sense. Yeah. And I don't think that it they did for me anyway. Like uh, when Rick flag at some point says you don't need like super people, you need soldiers. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes, listen to this guy. He knows what he's talking about. Um, you know, like it, it never kind of passes that initial test. Yeah. Cause like, I don't think that even by the end of it, I am not convinced that this was entirely necessary
1: there's also the fact that they went in with soldiers. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's the point in that if you're yep. if you're going to create a squad of expendable, super and very inverted commas people, then you have surely sending them in with soldiers that are also by definition expendable. Yeah, uh, defeats the purpose.
2: Yeah, <laughs>
0: so it's like like what is the 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 difference between this team and the other team? Yeah, um, yeah, I definitely couldn't see the purpose. Uh, for this team's existence, it, it, it didn't at any point feel justified, um, even, even as they sort of saved the world at the end. And I say sort of because <laughs> first, like, thousands of people died probably, um, in, in that, like, initial kind of, like, big thing that, that the Enchantress does and, like, her, her machine kind of attacks places and people and, mm military facilities and i don't even know and like you know so first first of all like massive destruction and then i guess they stopped it eventually but you know yeah what is what is the point
1: well, I don't in, the, know. <laughs> in, in the comics the suicide squad tended to go into black op situations where maybe the u.s government or whoever couldn't couldn't be caught out as being liable for mm. for you know if they so if they get caught then they're disavowed essentially yeah so, so if it's just a bunch of villains hanging out in Iraq doing whatever, you know, attacking, I don't know, attacking some high value target, then that's just a bunch of villains doing that. It's nothing to do with the U.S. government.
0: Yeah, see, like that works story-wise. I wonder why they had to go with a different kind of plot.
1: Yeah, well, as soon as they introduced the Enchantress, I was like, really? Uh, Because if you look at the the scale of power between them, you've got Mm. a guy that can shoot really well. Uh, some crazy woman who's uh, good with a, good with a mallet uh, someone who throws boomerangs, a mutant crocodile thing, and this insanely powerful witch who can yeah. go anywhere and do anything,
0: yeah, yeah, oh God <laughs> now that you're putting it this way, the whole premise is ridiculous,,
1: yeah.
0: and I love superhero movies but but this kind of like. There needs to be kind of a line where, where this works even within the universe of, of this film. Yeah. Like you know, if if even within this universe the the power scales are tipped so much, then it's just it just doesn't, just doesn't work. It just yeah. really doesn't work. If it yeah.
1: been if it been Deadshot, Harley Quinn, Captain Boomerang, and all right, we'll give them Killer Croc. Then you've got a You've got a you team keep, of capable people yeah. with gimmicks and mm. one strong mutant thing.
0: Yeah, um, but we keep forgetting Diablo. Though I really like him.
1: He was probably the best of the bunch. But again, he had nothing to do, and he was proclaiming that they were family by the end. And
0: I know. Where did, like, where, where did that come from? Like suddenly it was like, oh, I'm not about to lose my second family. Like literally five minutes ago, you were prepared to just like let him die. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know where the hell you're getting this connection from. Um, yeah, absolutely agreed. Um, I thought that he had a very interesting story. And as we get, like, the revelation of his story, um, that was really emotional, kind of like, you know, if if <laughs> the rest of the film had been more balanced, that could have been like a really poignant moment, but it just kind of gets lost in like a sea of, of stuff. Um, but what's interesting is that um, in the one moment where he kind of like lets himself... Be overtaken by his power. Um, he also uses this ancient language, yeah, that the enchantress uses and that her unnamed god brother type thing uses as well.
1: Incubus, um, but I don't think they ever said it in the film.
0: No, I don't think they did, or if they did, I missed it, yeah. Um, but fair enough, yeah, they they all kind of share, I guess. Like some kind of heritage, like where did he get his power from? If he was always kind of possessed by this being, like, you know, that was never really made clear. If he wasn't possessed by a being, if the power came to him a different way, why does he speak this ancient language? Like what's, what's, what's the deal? Yeah. And neither he nor anybody else seems very bothered by this.
1: And arguably he could have been the most important player in this Scenario because he mm-hmm. is one of them Yep uh, So if anything it would have been Okay I'm starting to feel something familiar here I don't know maybe he starts getting memories of knowing these two Or I don't know But well, yeah, It seems like he would have been really important in the plot Rather than okay now we've rescued Amanda Waller Which was their mission They, uh, they weren't sent in to stop this at all They were just to get mm. Waller out Um. So Yeah it was after that point they just decided Oh we better go stop this while we're here But if there'd been I don't know if he'd been drawn to them or something. If, if if there'd been memories, anything, anything that would have connected him to the villain story, it might have, might have been anchored a bit more than just magic guy versus magic guy. Hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think I think we've kind of touched upon everybody. So would Except we? The Joker. Oh, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's a thing that happens briefly, um, and I. <laughs> I am. I don't like him.
1: I don't like I don't, him either.
0: I don't like this Joker at all. Uh, yeah. After after having, I mean, my Joker will always be Jack Nicholson because he scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. Mm. Um, and that's that's the kind of Joker that I always have in my mind. That you know, yeah. like that's the, the the psychotic kind of like like crazy dude with you know penchant for crime. Mm. Um, but. After, so after like having him and having, um, like Heath Ledger's kind of more, um, like grounded, logical type villain who's just, you know, like a pure anarchist. And that's, you know, his purpose in life, which was great and a refreshing take on the character. Like now we just get this guy who like just, I don't know, laughs for no reason. Like even his psychosis is not. I just don't don't buy into any of it. Yeah. Is my problem. And like like the entire setup of his relationship with Harley Quinn is is a very tired affair in my opinion. Mm. Um and I don't know, and that and because that it's a bit <laughs> um I think underwhelming is an underwhelming word, but I'm <laughs> gonna go with that. Um it's just it's just so so much of a non a non issue like a non story yeah. that like i'm just not sure why that was there and even more so the fact that for months we've just been like getting all these updates like jared leto's gone crazy he's sending people dead pigs and like like i don't even know just like getting weird tattoos and like you know, just scaring people on set and going, Oh, yeah, this is all because I'm acting and, you know, yeah. method and whatever. For, for him to be in it in like what five scenes of kind of the same kind of stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And like w- where I don't even buy into it. Like, yeah, I ugh, what well, was that even.
1: Well, the thing is, uh, there's been hundreds of different interpretations of the Joker over the years, so I'm always keen to see a new one. Uh, and bringing him back to being a kind of gangster mob boss type of character is a good idea in theory, because the Heath Ledger one was just an agent of chaos, which mm-hmm. was which was fine for that version, but mm-hmm. having the gangster one back was, was interesting.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, my Joker will always be Mark Hamill, even though he was uh-huh. just a voice. Um, Fair enough. And I always liked Cesar Romero as well. He was... Mm-hmm. Uh, He's harmless. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Heath Ledger one's a lot better than this. And I thought Jared Leto's performance was all over the place. And the character as conceived was all over the place as well. I mean, who tattoos their catchphrases all over themselves? You know, mm-hmm. the, Surely the Joker just shows what he's made of by doing it rather than writing about it. Or, you know, it felt like he was playing up the part rather than actually being the part.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and he didn't really do an awful lot. I mean, the trailer's... I watched the trailers after I saw the film. The trailers were very heavy on him, mm-hmm. almost hinting that he was the villain for the team. Exactly, and then he's in—he's not in much more than you see in the trailers.
0: Absolutely. Um, I think I—I I don't remember where I read this, but something about um, uh, Jared Leto being really cross that they had cut uh, a lot of his scenes out. Mm. That they had filmed a lot more stuff and then they didn't use it and they didn't tell him, of course. And so it was like, wait, I thought I was going to be in a lot more of this. And instead it's just like 10 minutes.
1: Yeah. It's I mean, he gets shot down and the implication is that he's dead and, Mm. and you have Harley Quinn betraying the team so that Enchantress can bring his, bring him back. Um, which I thought was vaguely interesting. It would have been interesting if that betrayal had happened and been mm. like, I have nobody to bring back. He's still alive.
0: Yeah, um, except they didn't even go that far yeah. in the end.
1: Well, It was just a trick on her part, wasn't it? She was just tricking everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It was a bit. Yeah, he was. Uh, I thought he was pretty terrible. And I really hope we don't see this Joker ever again. But we're going to.
2: We're
0: going to. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't I don't think we're we're getting away from that. Um, for some reason it's a thing.
1: Yeah. And it's the idea that um, he keeps coming for her as well, that was that's not consistent with what they suggested that his their relationship was.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, if he was if he was truly as abusive as he's supposed to be, then the chances are he would be leaving her to get arrested a lot and then
2: and yeah, then, exactly. say, then
1: taking her back when she begs rather than mm-hmm. the other way around. But suppose they had to give Harley Quinn more agency, in inverted commas. suppose. I mean, they didn't, but I think that was the idea.
2: Mm -hmm. All the
0: missed opportunities. Like, there was so many ways and so many theories that I'd read and heard and, like, you know, talked about with people before this movie was out uh, about where they thought this movie would go and, Mm. um, like, all the character dynamics that, you know, because I don't read the comics, so I'm not familiar with this at all, but a lot of my friends are. And so when we would talk about it, they would have like all these stories that they thought, um, you know, maybe they might draw from to make the film. And all of that sounded really interesting. And then the film is none of those things. No. And yet kind of tries to be a lot of those things. And it's just like, it, it's the effect is, is entirely a, a blip Yeah, You know, like, as you said, you know, you saw it a bit like a week ago and you already don't remember what happened in it. Yeah. I saw it two hours ago and frankly, I'm not going to be thinking about it tomorrow.
1: Yeah. Like, that's it. There's no story Mm -mm. as as far as I I mean, they get sent in to extract a high value target. Yeah. It turns out to be Amanda Waller. Yeah. So she couldn't extract herself for some reason. (laughs) And uh, she's sitting in this a control room with a bunch of people that aren't cleared to be working in that control room. So she kills them (laughs) on the way out. Uh, That makes no sense. Man,
0: that makes zero sense. (laughs) What? Like when she like pops them, I think that was just literally so that we can like, if until that moment we weren't aware that she meant business. Yeah. I think that's the moment where it's like, Oh, she means business.
1: Well, the, the quote-unquote good guys have to be worse than the quote-unquote bad guys. Yeah. And, well, I suppose mission accomplished, but, I don't know, evil equals stupid usually. So, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, and that was just stupid.
0: <laughs> this is true. And that's, yeah, like, that's something, That's it's like a pathology of modern film, like, not being able to make a good enough villain, because, yeah, the villain has to be stupider than your hero. Hmm. And in this case, with our heroes being villains, then the villain of this story, I don't even... I don't know.
1: Yeah. I I don't know
0: what they were trying to go... Enchantress
1: and Incubus were pretty limp villains as well.
0: And the thing is that, like, if they're so powerful, they could have gone, like, ten different ways with this and it would have been a better story. But instead, like, it just... Maybe the problem was that there were a lot of characters that needed to share screen time. And, like, Will Smith's character tends to take up a lot of that. And Harley Quinn takes, like, you know, the other 30%. And so you're left with, you know, like, a third of screen time and, like, so much story to cram into it. So the whole, like, motivation for any of this becomes, oh, they are worshipping machines so we're going to make a machine that will kill them or it's something
1: yeah and how much of the world did they wipe out at the end that was there seemed to be quite a lot of damage done
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um,
1: I, I mean uh, probably I'm worried, more than actually yeah probably more than in both previous films combined I yep
0: yeah I was thinking I was thinking about that like when uh, we get like a a shot from space of kind of Half the planet being engulfed by this like dark cloud, yeah, and like different strands of it going to attack specific locations, and you know we could kind of get glimpses into that. And I'm thinking, wow, like people had a problem with Metropolis being trashed, and well, twice. Yep. Like th- this is this is infinitely worse. This is you know like I don't even know how many thousands of people died. And and then I was just kind of thinking. Where will that fit later on, like in the in the following movies? Mm. Um, because we we still have Justice League coming up, we still have like the the solo uh, Wonder Woman and Aquaman and Flash and like all of that. So where will that this destruction come into the the following films? I wonder how they're going to handle that. Although if at that- all. Yeah, if at all, exactly. Like, because I was going to say, like that. Being said, um, the way that they handled the Man of Steel destruction was underwhelming. Um, they tried. They tried to go like to sort of like make up for that in Batman v Superman, but then kind of repeated it. Mm. So then it's like, well,
1: well now kept, what? They kept assuring us that wherever they were happened to be abandoned. Yeah, so there was that.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 that's true. (laughs) Oh, yeah, like, by the way, (laughs) there's no people here, so we're not killing anybody.
1: (laughs) Why did you bring this creature here? It's abandoned. Okay.
0: (laughs) Okay. Why (laughs) are we fighting in this abandoned place? (laughs) Apparently there's
1: no homeless people milling about, so we're okay. Yeah. But the That's why it's abandoned. (laughs) (laughs) But this should have been the film with the lowest collateral damage, because you've got a bunch, should have a bunch of people that aren't able to inflict that much on their own. But then... If you've got someone that can wipe out however much of a chunk of the planet, then, Mm. you know, why aren't the the Suicide Squad wiped out in half a second afterwards?
2: Yeah.
1: You know, you've got Incubus trying to punch Deadshot, I think it was, Mm -hmm. or Frog, or someone. He tries to punch someone when he'd previously (laughs) been using his magical tendril stuff.
2: Yeah.
1: So, yeah, it's one of those, the plot needs this.
0: Yeah, like, we all know that that at the end of the day, uh, punching fight Is a lot more effective than any superpower. Um, You know, any any superhero will resort to punching things because it just looks cool. You know, so so go along with it, Craig. Right, (laughs) be a good sport.
1: (laughs) Or or, uh, a big explosive uh, against apparently a god Mm. who's able to withstand the hit from another god
0: somehow. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So, but this bomb that's underneath him that kills Mm. that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. The, the conclusion was was rubbish i mean you had that giant beam that hits into the sky like every other film these days yeah um and you had the kind of ludicrous villains not doing anything because yeah. there needs to be some kind of fist fight with some quipping yes and i don't have a problem with that when it's done well but when it's done like this i was constantly wondering why are these people here and mm. how are they still alive
0: Oh, uh Dead Shot Slime, like when Amanda Waller pops up at the end.
1: How are you alive? Yeah. yeah. How
0: are you not dead? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody said it. Like, how are you not dead? Like that was just that was beautiful. Yeah. Um it I I didn't I didn't hate all of it. Like there were there were a couple of moments like that was a good moment. Um and I really truly loved the soundtrack not not the retro soundtrack the score
1: i don't remember the score
0: oh man like there were these amazing moments where um i think it was one of them was uh when they were first uh recruiting killer croc i think or like one of the first one of their first like group action sequences Mm. and it was just kind of like this epic like like really cool um soundtrack, and I'm like, ooh, ooh, this is great. This is really nice. And so I always, when I like a soundtrack, I stick around at the credits to see who did the the music, and it's Stephen Price who did Gravity. All right, okay. Yeah, who won the mm. who won the Oscar for Gravity? Yeah. But, you know, like at the same time, I can't, I can't help but just feel like, man, Stephen, why are you doing this? Of all the projects that you could have been working on, you picked this piece of garbage?
1: (laughs) Remember, from a composer, composer, from a composer point of view, they don't even see the script Mm. usually. They they get given, I think uh, I, I saw something about this before. Um, on most films, they get given a collection of scenes. And they're supposed to kind of come up with a score, and they get character descriptions and things like that, and they come yeah. up with they come up with defining music for those characters. Mm. So he probably didn't know what he was getting into.
0: <sighs> I just feel sorry for him, you know, like yeah. like he's. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, like if you know, the score remains and it's pretty good from what I heard today. Um, so I. You know, I'm just hoping that this will not tarnish his <laughs> potential because, you know, like the man is great. Like he had only done, I think, one big project before Gravity and Gravity was like his second, like big feature film type thing. Hmm. And it was amazing and it blew me away and it rightly won the Oscar. And so now, you know, like he should have his pick of the litter, you know, he could he could be doing anything and – I guess you know he got saddled with this and I just hope that he goes on to do better things
1: than than this. It's possible they might get him on board for Justice League.
0: Oh, perhaps. Um, perhaps.
1: Yeah, cuz Marvel tend to reuse a lot of their composers uh, from film to film. Henry Jackman's <laughs> he, done a couple and so on.
0: He has, yeah, although now they're uh they've gotten Michael Giacchino on the team and he's he's again an Oscar-winning composer so,
1: yeah. you know. and so coming back for Avengers next Mm -hmm. time i think which will be good Mm -hmm. um but yeah i don't remember the score at all maybe i was too distracted by the 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 music which there was was
0: a lot happening what did you think of the of the retro music actually because i kind of found it a bit like on the nose
1: a lot there's only one song i remember Mm -hmm. um and that's the the eminem one
2: oh yeah but
1: that's because i thought it worked yeah. Even though the scene was ludicrous, it's why they're giving them all their clothes back and stuff. Why aren't they making <laughs> them wear like black ops outfits?
2: Spandex yeah. Like they
0: give they give Harley Quinn a chest of her old clothes and she's like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to pick these like hot shorts because why not?" <laughs> and it's like, you're going into battle. Like you should probably wear something a little more practical, not that these people care if you die, but yeah. you know.
1: I you think it makes sense for her. Care. Um, you know, she doesn't really care. She's only here because she's bored sort of. Thing. Yeah. Um they you know, I don't understand why they would give her her stuff back because, yeah, I mean, okay, she has a gun, and for some reason, being a psychiatrist who goes insane makes you an amazing shot, <laughs> but uh, and then she has that mallet that she never uses, but she's quite happy about it no, she uses it back.
0: twice, I think, oh does she, yeah. yeah, 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 she uses it a couple of times, um, uh, but then for some reason, the mallet turns into a baseball bat, mm. um, and she has a baseball bat for the rest of the film, like but but she does begin with the mallet, so yeah. it is it is there. Um, Hmm. yeah the baseball
1: bat as well why are you going into this situation with a baseball bat
0: (laughs) and even her gun like it's just a handgun like I don't know in terms of ammo it's not it's neither the strongest nor the the most like it doesn't have a lot of bullets in it so yeah. I mean I
1: understand why you give Deadshot his gear because it's all custom and and all that stuff and uh, Captain Boomerang probably builds his own boomerangs that do Whatever he needs them to do.
0: I didn't really see a lot of boomerang action in this. He
1: uses um, one as a camera.
0: Right, yeah. And then it gets shot down. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Mm-hmm. Hey,
1: and he throws one at someone earlier.
0: But then it doesn't come back. Yeah. <laughs> so that kind of defeats the purpose. I was expecting it to come back and then it doesn't. And I'm like, oh, but that not that what a boomerang does? I'm <laughs> disappointed now. Yeah.
1: yeah, so I can understand giving these people their tech back. But yeah, yeah. Harley Quinn should have been given something...
0: Something else, yes. <laughs> something stronger. Um, that's yeah. the only
1: song I can remember.
0: See, like there was, um, they actually used a song that was in the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack as well, huh. uh, which is uh, Spirit in the Sky. Uh, that, that's, I think, when they're, when they're uh, helicoptered into uh, the city. All right. Um
1: Beaumain Rhapsody—that was at the end, wasn't it? Or some of it was.
0: Yeah, completely contextless, apart from the fact that it's used in the trailer. Yeah. Um, And on that note, like, there's a lot of moments where a song will come on, and um, you know, somebody will say like a quip, and it just feels like a trailer moment. They pause for effect as well, and then they move on, and the scene is gone. And there's just like a lot of that, like where where just like the punchline of a scene will be a song will come on, somebody will say something funny, pause, pause, right, and then that's it. Yeah. And it's like like the, are you making a giant trailer or are you making a feature film?
1: Well there's a rumor that they got some trailer editors in to do the final cut. Uh huh. uh huh yeah,
0: this definitely makes sense now. I suppose it's it a giant trailer. Like for- that.
1: It's a giant trailer for other movies, I think.
0: But which movies, though? Yeah. Like, because neither – like, Captain Boomerang is not going to get a solo film. No. Deadshot is not going to get a solo film. Harley well, Quinn, I guess – well, maybe. Maybe, because he has clout. Yeah. Will Smith has clout.
1: Uh, if um, Harley Quinn's already getting a solo film, apparently.
0: Mm, okay. Um. Yeah, I was going to say, like, she's probably one of the only ones who's going to get a solo film. Katana or yeah. – like Rick flag (laughs) the flag hat like I can't I can't I can't
2: Um,
0: just yeah like it was it was trying to be and I was talking with somebody fairly recently about how like Batman v Superman feels like it's seven movies at once Um, because it you know it's 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 a Batman movie it's also a Superman movie it's also the first Justice League movie it's also the setup for Wonder Woman, and Mm. it's also the setup, you know, like, it's just like there's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, And so is this, like, but this kind of reverse tracks that by going, here's seven movies in the first 15 minutes, and then here's, like, the aftermath of those seven movies, and then also we're setting up other stuff. And it's like... Just so much is happening that nothing is happening.
1: Yeah. And it's, yeah, it definitely has the wider universe in mind when mm. in this film, um, you know, these villains have already got pre-established relationships with the whatever heroes they come up against. So, you know, yes. you see Batman bringing down both Deadshot and Harley Quinn.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I suppose Batman felt a bit more Batman-ish than he did in Batman v Superman in the sense of he's prowling this city looking for people and Mm. um,
0: although in a characteristically un-Batman way like can we talk about the fact that he attacks Deadshot when he's with his daughter in an alley Yeah, and it's like but that's that's what happened to him when (laughs) he was a kid like why would you attack this kid's parent even though he's a bad person like can you imagine what you're doing to her right now (laughs) And like she kind of seems unfazed, like she stands between the gun and Batman, going, "Please, Daddy, don't shoot him." And it's like obviously he's wearing a bulletproof suit, so like whatever. And also you're you know, like weirdly nonchalant about this, like you're you're more concerned with the moral failings of your father rather than like this guy might kill both of you. Yeah. Like,
1: oh <laughs> well, maybe um, maybe it's a weekly occurrence for her. Yeah, she sees her dad coming up against superheroes all the time.
0: Oh well. <laughs> yeah,
1: here we go again.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but I was I was really thrown by how unbatman it is to attack like a parent and their child in an alley. Like I just couldn't get over that.
1: Yeah, you would think he would follow them home and wait till she's asleep.
0: Something yeah. like, like that. We're like uh- yeah, or wait for him to be alone or something like that because apparently the girl lives with her mom anyway. Yeah. So Deadshot is by himself most of the time, but no, he has to attack him during like his visit hours. Like, why would you do that? Like, what is wrong with you?
1: Yeah, I suppose the the, the idea was that um, it was supposed to show that Deadshot was redeemable and Batman gave him the chance to do the right thing, but it didn't quite come across.
0: No, I was I was more preoccupied with the fact that, like, it's eerily similar to like Batman's origin story, and like it just doesn't for me make sense for him to do that.
1: Yeah, it's also unclear when that took place in in the overall timeline. Um, I
0: mean, I can't remember. Is the I, rest of the timeline
2: clear to you? Because. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, it's clear that it's before Batman v Superman, but how far before? Because in Batman v Superman, it's clearly established that that Batman has changed. You know, he's he's now a guy who kills because, mm. and presumably because Robin was killed. Yeah, um, though at least that's the the implication. But mm. is this before that? Because you've got this Batman who shows mercy, mm. um, or is it is it long before it? I mean, they don't I don't think they establish no. how long Deadshot had been imprisoned. Maybe they did. Oh
0: no, I don't. No, I don't think so. I don't remember them saying anything, or if they did, I missed it. Um, yeah, so that's that's a fairly good question, actually. Um, I mean, the others as well. Like, I don't think we ever get much of a an idea of how long they've been in prison. Yeah. Um, or captive. So yeah.
1: Yeah, I think with Captain Boomerang, it's pretty recent. It's more recent than anything else. Mm. Um. Because you you see the flash turn up. Oh
0: that's right, yep.
1: Yeah, and he's not established quite yet. I mean when you see the video in Batman v Superman, mm. um he's just some guy in a convenience store, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh so and there he is fully suited up. So is that I mean how recent must that be? It it's gotta be surely after Batman v Superman or the events of then. Yeah. I don't know. He just turns up for like 2 seconds and I was like, "Oh, it's the Flash." Yeah. And he looks like the Red Power Ranger.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, I I'm excited for him cuz cuz I really like Ezra Miller. So I I'm, I'm really excited for the, for the Flash um, film.
1: See, I love the TV show, so um
0: Ah, uh, see, I don't watch that. I, yeah. I watch like the pilot and I was bored. Ah. Um so I'm like well, eh. The
1: pilot is rushed to get through the origin, so they can tell better yeah. stories. You know, so uh, yeah,
0: it does. It suffers from what I call pi- pilot syndrome. Yeah. Um, where you know you're just pelted with so much exposition,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and that's it though. Like it's it's just for the one episode, or perhaps two. Yeah. So that the world of the TV show is established and then you can move on and like actually go yeah. on to story. Once they get um, the
1: pilot out of the way, everything starts yeah. getting more complex and more interesting. Mm-hmm. And I can't see the film doing anything more than a raw, rushed version of of that of story. That. Yeah. So um
0: Yeah, that's true. And I and this is so this is something that I actually wanted to touch upon, like the whole wider universe thing mm-hmm. and how you know, like <laughs> Well, both studios are kind of like not utilizing the TV um, aspect of things to the full extent. Marvel is doing a little bit better because at least like the Netflix stuff is kind of assumed to be taking place in the same kind of universe. And they also kind of tell you roughly timeline wise, like where should you place this?
1: Yeah, although it's more that say Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or the Netflix shows, they they tie into the films rather than the films tying into them.
0: Yeah, precisely. Uh, with agents of shield, um, they actually veered off dangerously away. Um, because like agents of shield had this, this like premise that was, and like, we're talking about Marvel now. (laughs) Um,
1: it all comes it, back to Marvel.
0: <laughs> it does. It does. Like, yeah, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was following the premise that they were going to uh, have an Inhumans movie. Mm. And so they were setting that side of things up, which I thought was going to tie in really well with Civil War. But then they made Civil War into this other thing entirely and then actually outwardly went, oh, yeah, we're not really paying attention to what they're doing on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We don't really care. Yeah. And it's like, excuse me. um, isn't that supposed to be like a shared universe? Why are you not paying attention? So yeah. that's, that's like something that I'm, that I feel quite strongly about because I actually really like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I like it I'm, too. Yeah, like I'm, I'm just so sad that they're not really paying attention to it because it's a really good show.
1: Yeah. And um, they're doing, um, I mean, they did an entire episode on the aftermath of Civil War and how mm-hmm. that ties into what they're up to. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you'll probably never see Fitz and Simmons in an Avengers film
0: no and oh it, man and like they could have come. as much as i'd like to oh man yeah i know i know it hurts me but anyway no going back to dc stuff because that's yeah. what we're talking about on this podcast yeah they've done it um
1: they've done it differently they've got they've, two, they've
0: gone like two is it two separate universes is the tv stuff all connected or is it not
1: well sort of um really nerdy stuff here but mm. uh flash and arrow and legends of tomorrow are all set on earth one so to speak um mm. uh, I mean, they, the Flash crosses over on Earth, too, quite a bit. But they're all set on the same universe. And mm-hmm. then you've got Supergirl, who's in her own universe. Oh. But she has crossed over with the Flash, or the Flash has crossed over with her. Okay. So she is part of it, but it's established she's in another universe, uh-huh. which may or may not combine at some point.
2: Mm.
1: They will definitely do crossovers, but whether they just have some universe-altering event that combines them or not, is up for grabs, but anyway, all they have to do is come up with an easy way for her to go back and forth, and, and mm. it'll be fine. Uh, so you've got that, and then the films are their own thing,
0: right? And so it's, and that's not like Earth three or something like that.
1: Well, I suppose it will be. It will be. Mm. Well, judging by what they've introduced so far, it'd be like Earth five or something like that. Mm. Yeah. So you've got two Earth one, two, and three in the Flash, Earth mm. four for Supergirl. Mm. So Earth five for the TV universe. Yeah, the, I the see. film universe. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and that itself will probably do a multiverse story at some point, so. Uh-huh. Aha. Yeah, it's all big and weird. But it also means yeah. that the TV shows can exist in the same continuity as the films. They would oh, just that's have to, interesting. They would just have to move universes in order to yeah. do it. So you could have Ezra Miller's Flash meet Grant Gustin's Flash and so on.
0: Mm. Uh, okay, right. I don't right. know if that'll
1: ever happen. I would like it to see that. But it would,
0: mm. See, okay, because I I wasn't really aware of that because I don't watch any of the DC shows. Um, <laughs> I heartily so I recommend
1: went, them. Just take, okay. just get through the pilots. Then I, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. See, like, yeah, like I tried, I tried with the with the Flash pilot, but I was just like rolling my eyes through all of it. <laughs> And so it was like I just I can't, and so I gave up. But, but you know, I also watched it during a flight, like mm. like on a plane. So I wasn't really like I was sleepy. So you know, yeah, possibly we'll give this another
1: go. Second um, episode is I would say it's better than the first one because it starts mm-hmm. to delve deeper into what they're trying to do, and then you've got you get the hints of the enduring mystery in the first episode, mm. uh, where Harrison Wells walks into a secret room and looks at a f- future newspaper. Um. That's that's a big thread throughout the entire first season. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they do some cool. crazy stuff with alternate universes and time travel, and.
0: Okay, so that's that's interesting because yeah. I was under the impression that like they were kept separate because like they couldn't be bothered. Um, but if it's if it's kind of done like that on purpose, and there is already kind of a, a an established like multiverse. Sort of reality within the DC stuff, uh, then that's fine. And I, I could see, I could see them doing alright with this. If, if they, if they finally get their, their (laughs) together, because there's something about like the DC, like especially the cinematic stuff that just isn't working. Yeah. And, Like, I don't know, none of these films so far have gelled for me. Um, None of them really establish a world that is kind of cohesive enough that I can believe that this is all kind of happening here. Like, you know, even BVS is completely like a different aesthetic to Man of Steel. Mm. And so... Like, I don't know. I don't know. And then Suicide Squad is like so colorful and kind of wacky and everybody has like weird abilities. And so next to that, Batman v Superman is like, what? (laughs) And then, yeah. So like, I'm just not, it just doesn't feel like, like a world yet.
1: Yeah, I've always but they are
0: desperately trying to make it one.
1: Yeah, I've always found that the, the DC universe is a bit larger than life. Anyway, they started out by making superhero comics where you know you've got an alien who occasionally dresses like a reporter. Mm. Whereas Marvel, they <laughs> always flipped it. You, you've got, say, for Spider Man, he's a teenager who occasionally goes out, uh, goes out in a, a form-fitting outfit and fights mm-hmm. crime, you know, under yeah. the guise of Spider Man. But it's more about his civilian identity and the problems he has adapting both. So uh, DC has always been, I suppose their heroes have always been a bit more godlike. Um, mm. And that, that certainly comes across, you know, the when the Flash enters a room in the films, there's lightning striking everywhere. Um, so you have to wonder, is this guy even safe to be around? Mm. So that makes them terrifying in a way. In the TV show, all he does is kind of move paper around when he enters a room. <laughs> he, he runs in, there's a gust of wind and, and someone's notes are all over the place. Mm. Which... Um, and it works for the TV thing, but the TV universe earned its its build because you started off with Arrow and there was no plans to spin that off at any point. But once it got really popular during season two, they decided they would introduce Barry, Barry Allen in two episodes. But he was just Barry Allen. He wasn't the Flash. He was just there as a CSI. And then he disappears and gets powers and then gets his own show. So they they earned it, you know. They they made a successful show, and then they started spinning it off into other things that also work in that world, which is not what the films are doing. Yeah, they're assuming that we're already invested in this world because we've gotten invested in another uh, cinematic superhero universe. Mm-hmm. But that took time for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I mean, what what? really worked for marvel was that they took things slow yeah and and they took gambles as well like casting rdj like right out of jail right after his drug scandal and everything um not really sure that this was going to pay off but it did in a really big way yeah and then again with guardians of the galaxy that was a big gamble but again it paid off in a really big way yeah yeah but also their their stories are kind of like more consistent and cohesive. Like they yeah. make sense. That, you know, I I don't think that there was a single Marvel film that didn't make sense. That was like, you know, like where so much was happening that nothing was happening. Like I never felt that.
1: Yeah. Well, then. The thing about, the say, the first Iron Man film is it is a film. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, it it stands on its own merits. And then you get the post credit scene that if the whole thing had failed, then it would have just been this fun little nod to something that never happened. Uh, And then I think a lot of the phase one films were more geared towards setting up the Avengers. So there's quite a lot of time spent in Iron Man 2 where they're just talking about other things that are going on, for instance. Mm -hmm. And I I would say Man of Steel is a film.
0: Yeah, it's, yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. It's its
1: own thing, it, and there's one reference to Bruce Wayne in it, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Batman v Superman, it's like, okay, this worked. Now let's uh, let's let's speed this up, and then they sped it up, and you introduce half the <laughs> Justice League in one film. Yep. Uh, with yeah, with loads of other stuff.
2: Mm. Yeah. And
1: then Suicide Squad is even worse. It's introducing a lot of the iconic villains without. Yeah. Properly without without doing their anything. heroes. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> like
0: to have Captain Boomerang without knowing like what world he comes from and yeah. what like what his purpose is except, you know, I mean I really enjoyed the whole bit with him having a pink unicorn in his in his pocket like for no for no discernible reason.
2: Yeah.
0: Um that was funny. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. overall I don't think that it it works and I mean, yeah, like they, they keep making money, but for how much longer?
1: Yeah. One of the biggest questions I had in the film, actually, is they started off, mm. uh, you know, Amanda Waller turns up and says, I want to recruit Deadshot, Harley Quinn, etc., etc." And she talks about how metahumans are a threat. So you need metahumans to fight them. Fair enough. But there are no metahumans in that group. Well, there's one, but, you know. Mm. Uh, so her plan is that. But why isn't she asking Batman or The Flash or Wonder Woman? Mm-hmm. rather than these people that are definitely going to portray her. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure Batman is just as expendable to her as Deadshot is. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, so absolutely.
1: That was the question I had throughout, and I'm surprised.
0: Maybe if, because he's rich, I guess. <laughs> yeah,
1: if one of the other characters had asked that question, at least one of the the military people had said, why aren't we bringing in the people that brought these people down? Mm. Um. But no one asks, and it's just this accepted, okay, we need a group of criminals because this film's called Suicide Squad, rather than.
2: <laughs>
0: Precisely, yes.
1: Yeah. I mean, you could have had Amanda Waller say, I already asked Batman, and he told me to piss off, and, you know, I, I can't get the flash in one place for too long to mm-hmm. ask him, or something like that.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, the, but they just kind of hand waved it away. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: <sighs> Missed opportunities.
1: Yes. the movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, I will never watch it again.
0: No, I don't think so.
1: And I think my no. DC Blu-ray collection is always going to have a gap.
0: Yeah. Unless it's uh, for I'm...
1: 5 pounds or something.
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to listen to the soundtrack, I think. I think that's <laughs> what I'm going to take away from this. Um essentially, yeah, none of it's really n- none of it really sticks to mind. It's not anything to write home about. Um, and you know, like I would say, like if we were rating this out of like stars, it's probably a one star film. Like it's, it's just not. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I gave just, it 10. just no two out of 10. No. Out of it, ten.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. So that's, that's basically one out of five. So yeah. 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 So basically we're, we're on the same track here, yeah which is, which is interesting, uh, because you're, you're more of a DC fan and I'm kind of, you know, coming in blind, yeah. And it's interesting to see that we have a similar reaction to this.
1: Well, I saw him um, Apparently some critics were were saying in their reviews, mm. I didn't actually see any of these, but apparently some people were saying that you, if you read the comics before going in, then it will make a lot more sense. Fact, mm. If I have to do homework before watching any film,
2: oh exactly, it hasn't worked. Mm-hmm, they, mm-hmm. they tried that
1: nonsense with the, the recent Star Trek films. Yeah. Certainly the first two, it's like, don't worry about the villain's backstory. It's covered in a prequel comic.
2: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to read that.
2: No, because, it, should,
0: it <laughs> should make sense within the film. And for Star Trek, I think it did. Um, you know, like they did... It was, weak, but it
1: was there that's it cool. was
0: there yeah. it was there so you know like I'm 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 okay with that while I'm watching the film uh, but for this I absolutely agree we shouldn't have to do any homework uh, this is something that I feel very strongly about uh, especially in the superhero genre uh, because there's there's a lot of spin-offs and there's a lot of like new stuff that's come through um, the films and the extended universes uh, I shouldn't have to for instance watch any of the tv series for the films to make sense yeah or read any comics or anything like that any prequel like thingies like no the the film itself should do its own work and then if there's any other stuff sort of as bonuses then those who want to get more into it can but it shouldn't detract from the enjoyment of like the original piece
1: yeah if they do it right then um the chances of uh, if they do it right then the the chances of understanding little little nods are there for the fans mm-hmm. or people that know you know people like me that have read this stuff and will enjoy the little wink and nod to something mm-hmm. but if it's uh, actively needs to be read before um before yeah. you you sit down, then yeah it's mm-hmm. not doing its job that's Absolutely. something that the t v stuff do very well they make little references to stuff here and there and mm-hmm. um and for me, I sit there and chuckle, but for other viewers it's who don't understand the material. It's just a line, yeah. you know, it's and, just a
0: line that, that yeah. passes and that's fine. And yeah. that's okay. You know, not everybody will get the same, uh, enjoyment out of something. And I think that that's very important because like for me coming in uh, to both Marvel and DC actually without much like pr- prior no- knowledge, like it's very important to me that I can make sense out of this story yeah. as, as a fresh viewer. Um, rather than like a pre-existing fan. And there's a lot of talk recently about like making films for a specific audience and kind of pandering to them, if you will. Mm. And I don't, I don't believe in that. I don't think that that's a a good strategy. Um, Cause if you want to, if you want to do that, don't then market it as a mainstream kind of, this is a movie for everybody sort of thing. Because if you make it so that only the hardcore fans will understand, like, for instance, Warcraft was like that. Mm. Like, people who play the games were, like, in awe because it was everything that they knew from the games but in in a movie. And that's great. But for me, coming into it not having played the games, none of it made any sense.
1: Yeah. I was able to more or less follow it, but there was a lot of yeah. digressions where it was, they went somewhere for some reason and yeah, or only like, so they could show this particular wizard.
0: Exactly. Or yeah. Or like characters who had like one throwaway line and like, that was supposed to mean something, but I was just like, huh? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So like th- there's a lot, there's a lot of that going on at the moment because obviously they're, you know, they're trying to break into new markets and try to get, you know, more people to c- come see these movies so they can make more money. Um, and yeah, I think the, the line is very thin mm. uh, when it comes to these things. Um, you know, nobody's doing it 100% right yet. Yeah, uh, Marvel are doing quite well. The Star Trek films, to me, again, um, work very well. The DC films have not drawn me in yet. And I was hoping, I was actually really hoping that Suicide Squad would, would do that.
1: Yeah, I didn't want to be one of those... Um, an in inverted commas critics who, you know, was going to hate on this. I'd actually really wanted to like this, mm. mostly because I don't want to spend two hours of my day w- sitting watching something that I'm not going to enjoy. Yeah, you know, I'm not that. Um, I'm not that <laughs> self defeating.
2: <laughs> no, absolutely.
1: But, uh, but I really wanted to like it because I wanted it to be good, so that you know, so that, that people wouldn't accuse me of that. And I actually did get accused of being a Marvel fanboy and a DC hater on uh on on. Twitter last of week, of um, and I just had to give the guy the link to my Batman v Superman review where I gave it eight out of ten,
2: mm.
1: and and then the link to all my TV reviews of the the DC shows that I watch. Yeah. So you know, I'm not a Marvel. Well, I'm a Marvel fanboy, but I'm also a DC fanboy. Mm. If they made, I mean, I've been happy with their output so far, except for this one. This yeah. is the only one I haven't liked. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm sure Justice League will be fine because it's going to focus on characters that I quite like. And not that I don't like these characters, I just don't think they were very well used.
0: Yeah, but, well, fingers crossed that they use the characters in Justice League better. Yeah. I will, you know, tentatively be excited about it, but, you know, based on the three films that the DCU has, you know, kind of given us so far, I am not um, very sure that they can do that. You know, if, if they surprise me positively, then hurrah, you know, yeah. like I, I freaking love superhero movies, you know, like if, if, if Justice League makes me like it, then amazing. But
1: Wonder if, Woman might do that before.
0: Perhaps. Beforehand. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Because that's, that's uh, coming out with, is that next summer?
1: June, I think. Yeah. June, yeah.
0: Yeah. Very excited Justice about that.
1: League's a month later, maybe. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. It happens to be quite a light year for Marvel in terms of their big films as well, so mm, it's a good year for true. DC to sneak in. Yeah. Because uh, they've got <laughs> things like, well, they've got Thor 3 and they've got Spider-Man and they've got Guardians 2.
0: Yeah. Which... Oh, it's it's pretty, that's uh, going to be pretty big. That's going to be pretty
1: big. Yeah, but it won't be as big as, say, Civil War or the Avengers, I wouldn't think. So, mm. you know, the the fact that they're not releasing the same summer as something like that, yeah, is probably going to help them mm. in that sense, but... You know, I don't want to use the term superhero fatigue, but I imagine people pick their battles.
2: Well, I mean,
0: like, that's it's it's kind of happening already, superhero fatigue, in the sense that because like, there's there's a lot um offered. Mm. And so we now we now have a lot of choice. And I think it's important to talk about whether you know, say, you know, if, if these stories are used in a good way, if they are, you know, good stories, if they are entertaining and or, you know, like, like a good time, essentially. Yeah. Or if it's, you know, a waste of two hours, because, you know, if I'm going to waste two hours of my life watching Suicide Squad, I could also be watching, I don't even know, Ant-Man. That was <laughs> more fun than Suicide Squad. I'd watch Ant-Man again right now. Yeah. But I probably will never watch Suicide Squad again. Yeah. And so, you know, like that that has a lot to say about, you know.
1: Yeah. And you've got three major superhero universes on the big screen at the moment. You've got the Marvel, mm-hmm. you've got DC, and you've got the, the Fox universe, which currently only consists of X-Men films. Yeah, and, of course. And of course. Fantastic Four, but I think they're trying to wipe <laughs> that from existing. But so I think most yeah. people will maybe just pick one. And I think that's ultimately why X-Men failed. This yeah. year because it came out a month after Civil War and by that time people were kind of fed up.
0: Yeah, it was just like there's so much. Like we had also Superman good. first, then Civil War,
1: yeah. then
0: X Men, just like so much was happening yeah. this summer, that this this spring that yeah. Yeah, like there you go. So that's that's exactly what I mean, you know? Like if you're if you're gonna spend two hours of your life watching, say, X-Men, which actually was fine.
1: I didn't like this X-Men. Yeah. It was,
0: I, I thought it was decent, maybe because I, I went in fully prepared to hate it. Mm. And so it kind of like, it did better than that.
1: <laughs> I, I was fully prepared to like it. Uh, the, see, the other uh, two, yeah. mm-hmm. But they, yeah, that that's a separate issue. But yes, thing, it
0: is, it is a, a time, something for another podcast, perhaps. <laughs> and I think people
1: are going to spend their money as well, you know, because I've got an unlimited card for Cineworld, so yeah, I go as many times as I want, but mm-hmm. A lot of people, when they go out, it's to the cinema. It's what I don't know, eleven pounds for a ticket, and then yeah. they spend another fortune on sweets mm. and and you well, know. Actually,
0: in London, actually, I'll have you know, there's a, there's a cinema that charges thirty pounds for one ticket for 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 an IMAX 3D screening of Star Trek. Yikes! Thirty pounds, I was told recently. I'm like whoa (laughs) how are people expected to make like you can't spend 30 pounds even weekly not even monthly like yeah you know like you gotta you gotta pick your movie so how are you gonna like if there's all these big releases coming out like you gotta at least make good movies man like if you if your movie is good then you know people can justify spending 30 pounds on it you know
1: yeah it's a bit iffy So, uh, Mm. yeah, watching films is expensive. Or people just wait for the DVD as well, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I've done that a lot this year because there's been a lot that came out kind of at the same time. Yeah. There's only so much time in the day.
1: Yeah, I've I've skipped a few things. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, this was fun, though.
1: Yeah, I think we've beaten this film to death. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: (laughs) With a baseball bat.
1: (laughs) With a a baseball bat or mallet or Or whatever she's holding in that scene
0: both both the things we've beaten it yes but
1: yeah that's probably the longest time I'll spend talking about Suicide Squad forever
0: <laughs> there we got everything
1: out it's out my system so that's, that's
0: done yeah, yeah. Well, we never have to talk about it again no, no we do not
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I hope you'll come back for a future podcast
0: absolutely this was really fun
1: yeah it was great fun so um, I guess we'll just sign off and hopefully people will enjoy what they heard today
0: <laughs> hope so um <laughs> yeah you can find me on twitter at uh KirkCat k-o-u-r-k-a-t or just look for Kat kirkat which is my name and um i'll yeah I'll, I'll look forward to another podcast in the future
1: yeah this will all be on um the show notes as well so don't worry about remembering it fab cool so goodbye for now bye so, that was our discussion on Suicide Squad. If you enjoyed that, then please hit the subscribe button on iTunes or any major podcasting app and tune in to the next instalment of Neil Before Pod.